killer, no filler, The Clip Show. I gotta say, you know you made it big when you're launching a clip show. Uh, I just feel like a real talk show host here, so I want to thank everyone who brought me here. Thanks to uh, the full All Killer No Filler staff. Thanks to Declan, my editor. I gotta say, if you're thinking about building a podcast out there, just get an editor, and they just make life so much easier. Uh, so this is basically a compilation of Declan's takes quite often the most interesting clips that have kind of happened on the DSC podcast. So I really hope you enjoy and on with the show. This clip comes from Sensorium, the non-alcoholic beverage marketplace. We've got a clip from them on their best advice for beverage companies in the DSC space. I know we have a lot of listeners of the podcast, readers of the newsletter, who are actually beverage companies. I know we have, a, I've just ran into a fair amount of beverage companies, fair amount of non-alcoholic or de-alcoholized products. I, as someone who sees all these products and curates them, do you have any advice for people building products in the space for how to kind of stand out? Oh my goodness. I, I take advice or I take sort of my learnings from watching people buy alcohol. I've stood in liquor stores before and done tastings for for our brands and watched customers walk into liquor stores quite blind. They'll just pick bottles off the shelves and they've never tried it before. They look at the label, they look at the price point, they look at what's kind of around it. And that's all they're going off of. Maybe they'll ask the person that works there if it's good, but that likely that person hasn't tried it. So I'm so sorry, but half of your product is the branding. Half of your product is the package. And a lot of people don't nail that. Um, and they don't have their positioning right, and they don't have, uh, you know, language on a bottle is also so important. I know one of our brands, he ummed and odd for months about calling it a non-alcoholic product or an alcohol-free product. Like, he had to really think about positioning the freedom in alcohol-free or the non-alcoholic in the ease of understanding what that means. So sit with it. Be, like, really test it with lots of different people and spend the money on a good designer. Don't go cheap. Don't do it yourself if you don't have a background in design. You know, spend the money. That's really what will pay off in the long run. Peter McCoppin, the leadership coach for Pilot House. I've had lucky enough to have a few sessions with him. We had a really deep and esoteric conversation about leveraging chaos in uncertain times. And that's exactly what this clip is about, the opportunity that we find in these chaotic times. Speaking of the uncertainty of 2023, I think it's on everybody's minds. Everyone appears to be, January is always a little sluggish, I feel like, as people are kind of get their plan for the year in gear, but there feels to be an extra sluggishness with a lot of apprehension about the potential chaos ahead of us in 2023. Peter, what, what's your theory on chaos and how to sort of thrive in it in organizations like the ones in our audience? <clears throat> so chaos and crisis, almost one of the same always invite opportunity. An opportunity for each and every one of us to dig deep into our resourcefulness, to confront our fears, to test and temper our resilience and resolve, to adapt, and then to carve a brilliant new path forward to a brighter future. So there is only opportunity in this current situation. When we say that we're looking at things with fresh eyes, that's what crisis does or chaos does. It compels us to take another look to do things differently. Dr. David Bohm was the founder of the Implicate Theory of Quantum Physics. He said, it's more important to think differently than the knowledge gained. So to take a different perspective, a different point of view, to, to challenge our habitual practice. When things are going smoothly, 
we're almost mindlessly moving forward. When, when we hit the wall, we have to really be very resourceful. And that's that resourcefulness that will get us to a new state of being. Then two, to push through our fear. I mean, what is fear? It's a projection from past experience into the future. False evidence appear real. It's false. And then to test and temper our resilience and resolve. Are we gonna stand strong? And how do we do that? Reaffirming our values, the core of who we are. Pilot House has grown exponentially, phenomenally in such a short period of time. How has the company done that? From the inside out, from character, from core values, from the essential part of the soul of the company. It has grown organically, progressively, systematically from that center. And then to adapt. I mean, the, the, the measure of the intelligence of any organization is based on two principles, the ability to assess, assimilate, and apply new knowledge, and the ability to adapt within strategic imperatives of speed and range are critical. So this is a golden opportunity, a golden opportunity. And we think of those people who we most admire. Those are the ones who have walked through the fire and have reinvented themselves with even more mindfulness, greater intention, and determination. And then even before that, like you were speaking earlier to this idea, everyone feels like they're in a unique point in history. And, and with all that's happening, with the way the media is, with the way AI is taking over, it feels very much like we're in this, uh, you know, we're heading towards a singularity or, or some great cataclysm or some great rebirth or something. But you're sort of saying this is something that happens cyclically throughout time all to generations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. We study history not to understand the past, but only to anticipate the future. So if we, if we look back 90 years, we'll see a scenario which in so many ways is a mirror to where we are right now. What is that scenario? It is disruption, collapse, and renewal. Disruption, Henry Ford's invention of the assembly line. It changed industry forever. And then collapse followed there. What was that? That was the Great Depression. And what came after that? Roosevelt's New Deal. So here we have, yes, indeed, disruption, AI, SpaceX, Twitter, Facebook, name it, whatever, robotics, all kinds of things. Collapse, perhaps to an, to an extent that we've never experienced before, because it seems to be on all fronts, financial, physical, whatever, the earth, whatever, all these kinds of things. So what's on the other side of this is equal and opposite unto it. Newton's first law, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And I think the invitation, I was just thinking about this in, in anticipation of our call today, the invitation to us is to give people hope for the future. Why are we afraid? Why does fear emerge? Because we cannot see the future. We stand in awe of the darkness before us. We don't know what to expect. So how do we provide our clients and each other comfort from the current demise or depletion to future hope? Now that would be, if that's the quest, it's amazing what we can come up with. And, and the solution will not be rational, it'll be intuitive. This clip comes to us from Pretty Boy Skincare, Kevin Niehoff and Ben Faze, two young guys that I hit it off with. This was one of the podcasts that we did recently with brands in an earlier stage that I just found really exciting, had a lot of energy, had a lot of vitality. This clip is all about how to get external validation on your product and then really how to show yourself in your brand's content. What have been the biggest growth hits and external validations, whether it comes to with sales, uh, you know, people endorsing you or, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we always reach out to your network, but I think some of the t key factors for us is that we're doing this the right way. Like Ben said, you know, 
there are people that have funding and some people are getting viral. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we do got to be more patient overnight success. That doesn't always happen. But last week, I think some of the big validation points were launching on Revolve, Revolve Beauty, um, their massive e-com site. Um, they're very particular about the brands that they allow. They have a lot of quality women brands on there and to be one of the few male focused brands that get accepted on there, especially being a new company, was a huge validation for us to kind of showcase that, hey, you know, we're going about this the right way. Um, on top of that too, you know, you see like PR is like obviously pretty big. Everyone knows you can pay for PR, but we organically got shout out on GQ. Um, that was a huge factor, I think, for us that, hey, you know, people are starting to take notice that, you know, this self-funded brand by two kids from Ohio um, really did their due diligence, really are building a brand that uh, men are actually taking a liking to and actually are wanting to use. And if, if I could bounce off that, Eric, just to add on to that, you know, with the growth hacking, because he put it so well, but also one thing we've learned and, and Kevin's really good at doing this. I mean, one, if you just look at him, it makes a little bit more sense anyways, but like the founders should be showing themselves and people like from a growth hack perspective, our CPAs were in the, the high 40s, high 30s, up until Kevin made these two really just awesome UGC ads. And it's just him. He doesn't even say he's the founder of the company, but it's just him talking about the product and showing some of his eczema and showing the impact it has. And so from a growth perspective, I mean, it's crazy. We were in the 30, 40% month over month growth while we were still figuring everything out and God, did it take a while for us to figure this stuff out? But once we started seeing what was working, then you do growth hack that. And now it's like all content that we're trying to develop is around that true UGC style, showcasing the features, but then really highlighting the benefits, the confidence, the impact to you being able to go about your day. And so, you know, these past two months, we've been growing at, you know, it was 69% two months ago, 70% last month. Um, we're really starting to find our stride. Those CPAs are going down. And that's what it really comes down to is you got to just test, 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 test. We were very fortunate enough to get some high profile people, both in the athlete space and in the clinical dermatology space, talking about our product early. And so obviously social proof is the name of the game. Like I said, there's a deep yearning for trust and transparency and authenticity. And people can like tell right away when that's not coming through. And so, I mean, to anyone going out and do this, like, don't be afraid to get on camera. Don't be afraid to just ask your friends to tell their actual opinion of what they're doing. I mean, we're seeing what, what people can do on TikTok now. And so that I think has been kind of our growth hack is just finding that thing that works. And I know it sounds about as obvious as possible. Once you find that thing that works, dedicate all your time to replicating that. You know, that's what's getting us the sales. That's what's growing us. This clip was from the mastermind that we held in Victoria, British Columbia with our headline speaker and friend of the show, Andrew Wilkinson, uh, who I'm actually just going off to see this afternoon speak in Vancouver at the My First Million event that I'm super excited about. Andrew's just like a natural interview. He's just filled with amazing wisdom. Um, so definitely check out that whole interview if you haven't already. This clip is all about how to hire the right person to take over your business, which I think is something a lot of owners don't always think about, but you always want to make yourself replaceable so that you can be more independent, you can do what you want. Here's Andrew's advice on how to do that exactly. It's probably the number one thing I've talked to most people in this room with, with a bunch of founders is, is finding those really competent people who will follow through on that vision. How's yeah. that been for you? Well, I mean, speaking from experience, I, I, I know exactly what all you guys are going through because I tried to get out of all my businesses over and over and over again and it was really hard to find my first couple of CEOs and then also to trust someone like think about it this is the baby that you birthed and raised and now you're giving it to the step parent and maybe they're going to abuse them and it's really hard to trust it's hard to trust the step parent and leave them to do their thing so uh, I certainly empathize with that um, I've been out of 
day-to-day -day operations in all of our businesses for about six years, seven years or something like that. Um, and I had a few really bad experiences. So I've hired people that are incompetent to run a company before and they've you know, driven the business into the ground and that was terrible. Um, and then I've also hired people that are just unethical. We had someone who uh, you know, was literally defrauding us and lying and doing all sorts of horrible stuff. And so after those experiences, I think most people, if, I, if there's one thing I hear from founders over and over again, it's, I tried that, it didn't work, I can't do it ever again. And I think it's like cooking, like you're gonna burn your hand on the stove a couple times and then eventually you're gonna learn to hold a cloth, right? You'll get better over time and you just have to stick with it. The things that we generally look for, again, the, the most important filter is, the, is this person a piece of shit or not? And that's very important. And do I enjoy spending time with them? I also look at, you know, am I in agreement with them? So when they look at my business and they give me their opinion, do I agree with their vision? And if there's one thing I've learned, it's that it doesn't matter what you say, you will never change their mind. So if a CEO candidate or you know, executive or whoever it is comes to you and says, you know, I think the obvious strategy is for us to spend $100,000 a month on PPC. Um, you might go, well, you know, we've tried it. I don't know if it's gonna work or whatever. If you hire that person, they will do that. And if you don't let them, they'll resent you and they'll say, the reason I failed is because you didn't let me spend $100,000 on PPC. So now I try and think about it as uh, you know, they're an elephant and I'm a rider on the elephant and they're going to go where they go. So it's really important that I like this elephant and I like where it's going to go because I'm not going to be able to change where it goes. I might be able to kill the elephant and put it in a different one, but I don't want to have to do that. That's very, that's very sad. Um, so that's really important. Um, and then from there, I'm also looking for someone who's run a business that's roughly double the size. Um, so if your business is doing $10 million in revenue, you want to find the person that's running uh, either number one or number two at a brand that's double your size in a similar or adjacent industry. You want them to look at your business and go, I see where you're going. I've already walked this route and here's all the pitfalls to avoid. Here's how we do it. This clip comes to us from Jordan Gordon, the head of email and customer retention at Pilot House from the podcast entitled Email Less and Earn More. And this speaks to this notion I'm hearing in the in the space quite a bit these days about how even just having an email list anymore is, is not just a sure thing. And, and when it comes to deliverability, when it comes to the amount that people are, are hammering their list with promotions, quite often you'll find that you get diminishing returns. And so this podcast was about how to build an email list like you'd build a fire one piece at a time. There's the technical side of mailing as well. And, and when you do mail 12 to 15 emails per week to an average user, you end up with this sort of phenomenon where you can deaden your list without even realizing. You talk a little bit about a worst case scenario that you've seen where people have just actually are getting so little engagement from any of their lists that it, it just becomes inert. Here's a very interesting, this is live, this happened to us this year. We had a client who came and was generally messaging 100,000 addresses and then we re-rewarmed um, their system. The first message was to 5,000 addresses, and they got as many clicks from the email to 5,000 addresses as they were getting to their deployments of 100,000 addresses because they weren't in the inbox. So this is a little folksy, but I think about growing an audience, email, it's like building a nice fire. At the center of this fire, 
is a bed of embers. You need to have a nice warm bed of embers. If you've built a bonfire, right? You need that nice bed of embers. And that bed of embers is your engaged audience, your core list, people who are clicking. They like what you've got. So you need to grow that. You need to grow their engagement, which specifically is click-through rate. You need to get that click-through rate from them up. When that bed of embers warms, the heat from the fire expands and you're able to reach more people. These people around the fire, that's the audience you want. And you want to have as big a reach as you can for them so when you've got a bomb offer, the most possible people can see it. Yeah. We've gone through this as a big emailing company on the D2C side as well. And that, that metaphor of the campfire is a good one, I think, because if you have no ember, Gmail knows that and says, okay, well then, you know, more of these are going to go to spam, go to promotion folder in our case. And so when you can just grow that out, it's just going to have a halo effect on more of your traffic. What's the next move with someone who's maybe gone too far, didn't listen to your message of mercy and is seeing a bit of a, of a deadened list? When you want to build that bed of embers back up, you're going to take some smaller pieces of wood and put them in there. If you've, if you've built a large fire before and then screwed it up, shifting stuff around, so you have to go back and focus on that bed of embers. So we're going to feed them content they like. So you can't send the exact same message over and over again. Every message can't be 20% off and then, oh, hey, you know, third reminder, even though you didn't read the last two, right? You can't just always do that. So we find we start saying things that they're interested in. And by the way, why not always say something your audience is interested in? People are on your list for three reasons. One, they, they like your product and they want updates, you know, new releases. Two, they want deals, right? So of course you gotta send some deals out. That's why they're on the list. And three, because they think the information that comes to them from your list is helping them become the better person they wanna be, whether it's in shape or a better car mechanic. Realign the message and send to a much smaller group. Send that message to the small people who are still engaging. Get them engaging more so that you can reach more people. But like I said, you would be surprised. Sometimes in that process, you actually are, are driving just as much traffic to your site because the other stuff wasn't even in, in the inbox. And this will be visible to you if you send half as many emails and your opt-out rate goes up because someone, someone has to open the email to opt-out. Right? So you weren't even in the inbox if you, see, if you send less emails and your opt-out rate goes up. Right now, you're probably looking at conversions in Facebook or Google Ads thinking, why doesn't the data line up with my actual sales? Why doesn't more spending bring more customers? What ads are even working? With Northbeam's first-party data and cutting-edge AI, you'll know what ads generated every dollar of revenue across all your channels, all in one platform. Frankly, the best marketers on earth use Northbeam. It's one of our favorite tools and the industry leader in marketing attribution. Visit northbeam.io to see why and mention this podcast for a special deal only for D2C listeners. This clip comes from uh, one of my favorite recent interviews with the Udi Magnate, which is over a hundred million dollar company. Absolutely amazing the scale he's driven that to, along with his other e-commerce business that he has that we talk about in that podcast. This clip is all about why Udi is the dream product and what it means to have true virality. Specifically with the Udi, what, what would you say makes it a dream product in order to, to, to have scaled this high, nearly half a, half a billion? Yeah, I think 
the the mass market appeal, you know, people say niche down, but you're not going to get a business going that quickly if it is a really niche product. Um, so it's mass market appeal. It's logistically very easy because it's one size fits all. It has a visual element where you can kind of put it over your knees. It solves a um, kind of a fun problem as well. One of the main things that a lot of people don't think about with these kind of products is the, the viral coefficient. So how many people are actually talking about the product um, and virality can be misinterpreted as, you know, this is viral on Instagram, you know, they're posting photos on Instagram, but that's not where the real penetration is. It's like through iMessage, it's through people like Snapchatting each other. Like that's the, that's where the viral spreads. Um, and there's also kind of the subtlety as well, you know, a friend answers the door and they're wearing the hoodie, um, th- those kind of things. So I think that there's a great book, How Things Catch On, and I, th- uh, I think it's called Contagious. Um, and it talks about, you know, visibility is one of the main things that creates virality as well. And, and the Udi is just a very visible product. In Australia, that people are always, you know, walking down the, the street, wearing them, going to, to Hungry Jack's and Burger King and whatnot. So plenty of virality there. It's a lot of visual real estate. I remember it was one of my first podcasts. I was talking with Chris Mead from CrossNet, and he was just talking about how his main marketing method or in the early days was just having people playing the game and people, you know, if you see it's something that you don't know or you haven't seen before, and it's especially if it's interesting or, or loud or bright, you know, you're just, you're that much more likely to comment, to ask where it came from, what's going on with that. And that's got to be a huge part of, of the success of the product, I think. Definitely. I think it needs to be novel and visual to make these digital platforms absorb them through the video advertising as well. So I think that um, if it's commoditized and boring, it's probably not going to work, especially on Facebook. Oh, great. We're featuring a clip from Jeff Shannon, co-founder of D2C, as well as Pilot House. This was in our exploratory podcast on AI-powered marketing. Uh, both Jeff and I are really diving into AI, both text and imagery right now for some of the projects we're working on. It's a lot of fun. So here's a little clip of Jeff explaining how exactly Pilot House is using and, and us personally are using AI to accelerate creative iteration. It just, it just fits so well with the iterative model, with the performance marketing model, right? We harp on it on this podcast all the time. As an agency, you're always trying to iterate, find, improve on your winners when it, when it, when it comes to your creative, your landing pages, all these things. And, and AI is just built to iterate as much as you want. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like in this day and age, marketing is less about the technical media buying aspects um, and much more about creative iteration and creative development. And and it truly comes down to, you know, they who can pump out the most creative and have the most interesting angles and identify which angles to go build on is going to win. And and AI is just this amazing tool to allow us to do that 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times faster. The one kind of major takeaway from all of this is that that y- everyone should just be getting their hands dirty and testing, testing, testing. There's literally new products launching every single day. Some are awesome, some are horrible, some are just a clone of something else. I mean, if you're not in there using chat GPT on a daily basis and mid-journey and Dolly on a daily basis, I think you're, you're severely missing out and I think you're going you're gonna to miss the boat. This clip is from friend of the show and friend of mine, Carly McFarland, C-Suite Preview. And this is something really interesting. I recently had the, the founder of MentorPass reach out, Kenny. I, want, I really want to get him on the podcast because I know MentorPass can be such an amazing hack for people in our audience. And Carly uses it religiously to meet cool people and build relationships from. So uh, here's exactly how to use MentorPass to build your network. I would say your other superpower is like networking. 
And I feel like really lucky to have like met you right at the start of your like networking journey because I've already met like, you know, 20 people from this. Can you just talk a little bit about your journey into the networking world? Absolutely. So I have definitely always been good at it. I went underground for the first like four years of the agency, literally just operating, like working crazy hours and just like head down. But I kind of poked my head up right before I published the book back in like July of 2022. So like very recently. And I used MentorPass, which I cannot thank enough even for like where I am right now because I got to talk to some really cool people. The first person I talked to was um, Nick Sharma, who obviously is a very good choice of a first person to talk to. Um, Him, Eli Weiss, and uh, a couple other people. And they all told me like, get on Twitter immediately. And so I created my Twitter account. And I think you saw like my first post because I had their like backing kind of, I guess they, like they helped me get on Twitter. I tagged them in my first post and then they, they retweeted it. Like my book sales have only come from like three initial posts I did on Twitter back in August. And then a couple posts on LinkedIn back in August. And like, they're still selling today because people keep posting it online and like showing with their book and things like that. And that was actually part of the ploy there was to only have the physical version and not have the Kindle or like PDF, whatever. Um, So anyway, back to networking though. So I think, I mean, I can't, I don't know that you can like teach people how to do this, but I just have to say like, I never, except for those first couple of calls asking uh, Nick and Eli, like, what do you think of the book? I never ask anyone for anything. It's literally always, even the calls I book on mentor pass, it could cost me like three, $400 to talk to somebody. And in my, um, little uh, description of what our call is going to be about. I just say meeting cool people or something like that. And I've met so many, so many, so many great people that are like really big names within the D2C space that like some of them have even become friends. Like even like uh, I'm going to see Nick Sharma next week in uh, New York while I'm there. And like, that is so cool. A year ago, I would have felt like, oh my God, Nick Sharma. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're going for smoothies. (laughs) Um, So it's like, it's like that kind of thing. Like these are all real people. And if you're not trying to sell them something like just, I don't know, being myself and and like actually making friends, like being very genuine about it is like the best way you can do it. I, I honestly, even from going agency side to brand side has changed things like so much. You, I mean, I, now I get to go to your events, you know? This clip comes to us from a recent All Killer No Filler episode with Nikita and Cam, where we talked about the creative trends from 2022 that absolutely dominated. We drilled in, and that's what this clip is about, is specifically on the kind of creator-generated content that's working best, or specifically green screen content. And we just really talked about the, the how video content has really taken over static. So, Nikita, speaking of UGC or creator-generated content, what's sort of working top of funnel right now for D2C brands? We've seen a huge uptick, I would say, over the last six months to a year um, and people really taking off with green screen content, more so than we ever have. And I think a big thing has been that brands have become much more open to testing a little bit of what we call scrappier content. Um, And it's just different videos that we can pump out quickly, but they are super authentic and they connect with people and they just look, like I said, authentic and organic. So when people are scrolling, it doesn't look like an ad, which is kind of our main goal. And so that's something we've really seen take off lately. Green screen creative. I, you know, I thought I actually wasn't thinking about that when you were talking about CGC or creator generated content. So you're, you're speaking specifically about people that are showing the product 
as a screenshot in their background or showing other things as in their background? Exactly. And it's a super easy way for people to visualize something with them while still seeing a creator talk. So it gives that extra little bit of dynamic um, aspects to it. And it's, like I said, super easy for brands to put together, super easy for creators to put together. And it's been something that we've seen work and it can be photos in the background. It can be videos in the background. You can really curate it to be exactly what you need. And because it's what people are used to seeing in their feed so much, it, it has that native appeal that, that kind of bypasses a few of those ad detectors. Totally does, yeah. I think that is the biggest trend of last year is just generally an uptick in video content in everyone's ad account based off of the changes in how people are actually using and consuming content on these apps. I mean, I don't think I've ever not opened my Instagram app over the last six months where with this of how the ratio has changed, it's not the same for every ad account, but the majority of them, you're seeing some ad accounts that are being filled up with video content, you know, north of like 50, 60, 70% versus in a decrease in image-based content. Again, it's different for every brand, but I think people want to see content that doesn't feel and look like an ad. So, you know, creator content has been super effective for making people uh, not feel like they're being advertised to and being entertained. For our last clip, we go with one of our most recent podcasts. I hope you had a chance to check it out because it's just absolutely filled with wisdom from Sean McGinnis from Kuru Footwear. This was a C-suite preview podcast we did where we talked a little bit about an article he wrote for us recently about all the steps he took to essentially incrementally double Kuru's conversion rate and essentially save the business. So this clip articulates some of the biggest changes that he made um, to both his traffic, uh, traffic flow as well as to his website and overall customer experience experience to double his conversion rate. Hope you like it. SEO is something that our audience is always interested in. And of course, they're always interested in doubling their CRO, their conversion rate. So what were some of these things that you uh, embarked on that worked the best for moving the needle on uh, Kuru's conversion rate? Yeah, it's not really sexy. Like this is not, you know, advanced CRO stuff. Um, I've, I'm famous around here for saying like e-commerce doesn't have to be hard. You know, why try to make it hard or complicated? Um, there's certainly advanced levels that go well beyond what we did, but the, the four or five things that we did were pretty foundational. I mean, when I got here, the font was a pretty light gray and a white background. The contrast wasn't the best. It's, it was pretty hard to read. Um, so I instructed the team to move it to black. That moved the needle. One day I was looking at it on the phone. I was like, boy, it's kind of hard to read. And I was like, well, our customers are supposed to be pretty old too. Hey team, let's increase the font size by like four full font points. Lo and behold, conversion rate goes up, right? Like um, these were pretty basic things. Um, the other one we did, you know, our, at the time our catalog was pretty small and we were taking this approach on our collection pages where we'd show you one variant of the shoe and three or four different color swatches under that. So the, the collection page looked First of all, really small. It made you look smaller than we were from a revenue perspective. And um, we went back to showing all of the main color variants on the collection page. And in my, my mind, the theory was, if we keep things the way they are and we show one color variant with a swatch, you might have to click two or three more times to actually see that shoe in that color. So it, it, first of all, there's the, the swatch is like, eh, is that blue? Is it black? Like, what is it? You click on that style. Then you got to go hunt and peck and find the right color variant. So it's at least two clicks to see a full-size image of that shoe in that color. Our catalog's not that big. Let's show the whole thing. <laughs> Let's show all five variants from a color perspective on the collection page. And by doing that, again, um, the conversion rate went up. 
and and having the same thing on PDP rather than having a little swatch, we put the full uh, smaller a miniature version of the full size shoe in that color as the selectable color variant. Again, conversion rate went up. So just kind of treating, thinking about how big the collection was and trying to focus on the elimination of clicks has been has served us quite well. The last thing that we did was, you know, we had, we've always had free shipping, free returns and free exchanges. And that messaging was kind of on the homepage and it was um, on the, the PDP as well, kind of buried a little bit down kind of where the rest of the value proposition was. And I said, hey guys, let's, Let's just test a, sh a free shipping bar. Let's make it persistent, put it at the very top. We put, you know, made it black, all caps in white letters, free shipping, free exchanges, every order, um, continental US or whatever it was. Conversion rate went up another 20%. So all those things combined, basically, when you look at the direct channel traffic of, of the year before and the, uh, in the 2019 and then in 2021, we had a 95% increase in conversion rate. Thanks for listening to the D2C first ever clip show. Feels like a real milestone for me personally for this show. Next, I'll be filming a training montage. That's really uh, another big bucket list item for me. So stick around for that. Until then, I'm off to Vancouver to go meet the My First Million guys. So uh, I'll do a little report on, on how that went uh, on a future episode. But until then, hope to see you guys at C-Suite where if you like this clip show, that's basically what these masterminds are. You get all killer, no filler, all the best people, all the best mentors, all in one room for two days. We're top golfing. Like, why wouldn't you want to be there? Go to directtoconsumer.co slash events and grab a last minute ticket. You still have a month to make the decision. Stay at the Sahara. It's close. It's easy. Come down to Las Vegas and we'll see you at C-Suite. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.